Welcome to this edition of Hold My Clipboard. I, as always, am your host, Chris King, alongside... Tori Dugan. And we are brought to you by... Nara Studios and our executive producer, Kim Capra. Okay, episode 18. Uh, I have this as week four in the ACAC basketball world. Um, we are going to do a roundup. I typed a longer document than normal. This was a super tricky weekend because of the... This is the North-South exchange. Yeah. So some of the teams... They're playing two games, but they're playing different teams. I typed it up. I'm going to try not to bore you. Tori, talk to me about the women's side. Give me a pause to talk about our Lakeland girls at some point because I know you're going to skim over them. Hit me up on what happened in the ACAC this week on the women's side. Tori, do good. All right. Episode 18. 18. to say that. 18. Okay. Uh, we're going to start just with the Friday games. Um, so there, was, there wasn't a double-double. Like there wasn't the same game on Friday and the same game on Saturday. Got it. Like when the, you're not playing the same team twice this weekend. For those that don't know, we have a lot of international viewers, so we're trying to figure getting them get them to figure out how the ACAC works with the North South. Yes, and explained to you from an international. Yes. All right. So game one, we have the St. Mary's Lightning up against the Concordia Thunder. Now, this is a game that I said last podcast that I was going to keep my eye on. Fair dinkum. Fair bloody dinkum, mate. St. Mary's ended up taking that game 69 to 57 in the high school gym of St. Mary's. St. Mary's home gym. gym. Yeah, that's a home gym. They do not have their own gym, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, uh, another really solid performance by Rachel Harvey from the Concordia Thunder. Another double-double, 17 points and 11 rebounds. Chloe DeClerc had a really solid game with 13 and 6. Uh, and then only had a, f- a few bench points, so only nine bench points for the Concordia Thunder. Still probably more than some teams. But, um, yeah, a little bit of a tough one for the Thunder there, playing against a bunch of very fast, strong guards from the Samaris Lightning. Jasmine Kellogg finished a game with 12. Um, Andrea Stitt had a very solid game with 15 points and 11 rebounds. She is a point guard. Um, Ogi Ajim, I could have butchered that name. Ooh, yeah, name problems. Had 13 and 12. Um, but player of the game went to Ivet Hidalgo. With 22 points and six rebounds. So a little bit unexpected. I did think with Concordia being bigger, um, they would probably, I thought that they might have got the win against St. Mary's here. Um, But St. Mary's just proved that they still have the strength in the guard spot. Um, And, yeah, their guards really shone through in that game against the Thunder. Second game, we have Medicine Hat versus Keanu in Fort McMurray. The Huskies were able to very easily defeat the Rattlers 75-39. Um, it was close a little bit there at the beginning of the game, but, um, yeah, the Huskies were always in control and were able to really ex- extend their lead. Um, the former or the current, I guess, ACAC reigning champions, the Red Polytech Queens defeated the Northwest Polytech Wolves. A lot of Polytech. Yeah. Uh, 91 to 32. Um, TKU defeated Sate 88 to 53. And then uh, a game that I was looking to watch, especially with us having the matchup here this weekend against the Vikings, was the Augustana Vikings versus the Ambrose Lions in Augustana. So the Lions made the trip and 
They were able to get the win, sixty to fifty-three. Um, they comeback. Yep, yeah, a big comeback. Uh, outscored the Vikings in the fourth quarter. Um, a big game. From Adriana Bokan, 14 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, 12 points off the bench for Ariana Delapaz. So big game for someone coming off the bench. Uh, for the Vikings, Larissa Stevenson had 19 and Mackenzie Mrazik had 12 and 5. Big game for her. If this is correct from the stats here, the Vikings only had 7 points off the bench and 6 coming from... Ellie Kal- Kalil, I'm going to butcher, I always butcher that name. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, they look like they're a little banged up here For still. Sure, they have been banged injuries. up uh, this semester, yeah. And then we come to the Mark CCAA marquee matchup between the Briarcrest Clippers and the Lakeland Rustlers in Lloyd Minster. Um, As put out by the CCAA. We're not calling it that. Yes, CCAA that comes out from the CCAA. Uh, hot start by the Rustlers coming out with a big lead in the first quarter. Uh Lucky that they were able to get up that lead in the first quarter by, I think it was 16, 17 at one point. Um, and then the Clippers basically from then on out after the first qu- first quarter kept it even. Um, yeah, a very a very good game, I would say. Um, had half of, if not all, of Paradise Valley in the gym for Briarcrest as uh, Dory Sunderland is from Briarcrest. Um, very playoff vibe type of game. Uh Briarcrest, I'll give credit to them, really tried to do some new things and junk it up a little bit with us. And I would say at times we're very successful. Um, But we, us wrestlers, I guess you could say, uh, were able to, when they went on a run, we were able to kind of steady the ship and go on a little bit of a scoring run of our own. But 24 to 12 in the first quarter, even in the second, Lakeland win the third quarter by one and then by three in the fourth. Anything else on the Friday games, Chris? A big double-double by Alana Olsen in that game. Uh, 11 and 13, I believe, that she had. Uh, Brooklyn Martins top scored for the Clippers with 16. Amber Fickner, 15 and 8. Um, and then a bunch of little scores off the bench from the Clippers as well. Uh, and Brooklyn Martins, we are going to have up here uh, later in the podcast. Um, I would say one thing to note, somehow I got an ad block looking at the box score. How does that <laughs> even happen? Um, one of the things to note, I would say, is uh, Briarcrest 14 bench points, Lakeland 43 bench points. Um, that was pretty significant. Um, and it was kind of coast to coast, I guess, for us. But very good game. Uh, you know, team plays super hard. They're going to be really tough out. Um, you know, they work hard. Um, they fly around a lot. So we will talk about them a little bit later when we have Martins on. But uh, that first weekend for them, kind of on the the north road trip. But, um, yeah, it's a solid game um, this early in the season. Yeah, and then we flipped to Saturday. So Saturday's matchup, we had the North Pe- Northwest Polytech Wolves against the Olds Broncos in Olds. And a uh, big win for Northwest Polytech against the Old Olds Broncos, 58-31. to 31. Um, It's awesome to see the Wolves get a win. It was awesome to see those girls be super excited. Um, wins haven't come round too often, unfortunately, for the Wolves, but... Awesome to see them do well and get a big win against the Broncos. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's been a win up there since the Dave Walknuck days. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure if Graham Ryder got a win when he was head coaching, but it's been a it's been a minute, so it's nice for them to get that. 
For sure. <clears throat> Second game here, we've got the Red Deer Polytech Queens against the Nate Ooks in Red Deer. Um, Red Deer were able to win that game handily 72-43. to um, A big hot start by the Queens were able to turn Nate over in their half-court trap, which is flying all over the place, trapping the Nate guards. And, uh, yeah, a little bit of hot fire there from the Nate Ooks, turning the ball over like crazy. But if uh, they kind of steady ship in the second half... Um, kind of looked after the ball a little bit better and if it wasn't for that start there I'm sure it would have been a better game um, and I'm definitely sure coach Kira Lyons is going to uh, make sure that her young group uh, learns from that game but uh, Micah Reed had 15, um, Peyton Nielsen had a double double with 10 points and 11 turnovers um so that's not that's not amazing by any means but still 10 points and 11 um then we have Jaden Dem Jaden uh, Jaden Demchuk who's having problems with names today yeah, this is what you get for making fun my bad Jaden Demchuk a veteran in the league just came back from a taunt Achilles last season is definitely finding her form which is great to see she had 16 and 7 that was player of the game for the Red Deer Queens good player 10 for Peyton Melton uh 13 and 11 for Janai Hubert and then our Sandra Garcia Bernal is playing Garcia. Playing in her MVP form with 11 points, but uh, flying around, getting a, causing a ton of turnovers. So great to see her back playing well. Uh, third matchup, we had the Lakeland Rustlers take on the Medicine Hat Rattlers in Lloyd. The Medicine Hat Rattlers making the trip to Fort McMurray and then down to Lloyd Minster. A tough one there. Um, give the Rattlers credit. They fought really, really hard and gave us a little bit of hell at times. So... Um, we did not, I guess we, we can't say stoop down to anyone's level by any means when you got to give credit right there to the Rattlers for playing hard all 40 minutes, um, especially that third quarter there getting it, I think, close to 20 points when it could have easily been blown out. Um, they did a great job battling in that game. Uh, then we had the Clippers took the road trip to Fort McMurray to play the Huskies in a high school gym because of gym availability. Holy Trinity. Yeah. Uh, big win for the Briarcrest Clippers, 75 to 55. So Brooklyn Martins, a great game again with 22 points. Amber Fickner, another big double-double with 17 and 13. 10 bench points from Hope Jordans and eight off the bench as well from Asia Wells. For the Huskies, we had 12 from Caitlin Tucker, 11 from... Lamise Khan and Emma Tomchuk had 10 points. Jalen Twin was the only person to come off the bench to score for the Huskies with nine points. State played Concordia, uh, sorry, yes, State, State played Concordia, second last matchup here for the round. Uh, the Concordia Thunder took on a very banged up State and watching this game, State definitely fought very, very hard. Um, Concordia at the end just had too much and um, had a little bit more firepower there with an undermanned Sate, but Sate really, really fought hard in that game. That was really nice to watch as well. Uh, Hannah Mitchell, big game with 18 and 12. Uh, Rachel Harvey, another huge game, 23 and 10. Chloe DeClerc as well, uh, 10 points. Jenna Rinsky had 15 off the bench for the Trojans, but Brooke Baker, 23. Rinsky off the bench? Says she came off the bench, Weird. yes. Cleland started that game. 
Brooke Baker, 23 points for the Trojans. Ania Wall, 23 points for the Trojans. Great to see her finding form again. Uh, and then only one bench point from the Trojans from Lucia Monroe with one free throw. Now the game of the round for me goes to the TKU Eagles and the St. Mary's Lightning. Very, very interesting game here. So the St. Mary's Lightning were able to get up big in the second quarter quarter against the Eagles. Uh, 17 is what I saw, I believe. Um, And then the second half, the Eagles were able to tighten things up, look after the ball a little bit better, started to make some shots. Um, But it came right down to the wire. The difference in that game is the Kings-Eagles outscored the St. Mary's Lightning 25-14 to in the last quarter. One of the big contributing factors was Jamie Bunting did come off the bench this game with and okay. uh, put in a solid 11 points. Tory Day had six off the bench as well. Um, but no, so, uh, the Eagles only rotated basically seven that game, which was the same with the St. Mary's Lightning. So we had 24 and 12 again from Andrea Stitt. Very solid game from her. 15 from Ivet as well. Uh, but my player of the week goes to Anelia Ayoti with 26 points and 10 rebounds. But more importantly, was critical down the stretch for the Kings Eagles. Made some very big plays, got a very solid and one down the stretch there and uh, was able to hit down some critical free throws as well. So um, down the stretch, she did struggle in the game, only shooting six for 12, but she hit them when it mattered. Um, so congratulations to Anelia. Great game against the St. Mary's Lightning and well done to the Kings Eagles on uh, coming back from a big deficit. Yeah, no doubt. Go to the men's side. I mean, you, ran out, you ran out of steam there. <clears throat> I did. There was a lot more I could have said, but I don't want to bore the viewers. I know. Okay, so I got so much, so I'll, I will try to... Listen, last week I wrote a lot. This might be as much as I wrote in my... Russian history class at U of L for those that for Marxism, by the way, it was on Marxism. It's harder. It's this is I gotta say we're, we're dedicated to the pod here because it's hard enough watching our own game film, yes. let alone watching everyone else's. Uh, uh, it would also be a lot easier if we Didn't coached in uh, Pac West or on the Atlantic, where there's like four games happening instead of <laughs> fourteen every day on each each side. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the preview, and if this bores the viewers, then this will be the last time I type this up. Uh, so, I'm not going to get bored. Okay. Stay you on. just keep chiming in every now and then. Um, be like, ooh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> All right, here okay. we go. Uh, matchup one. So I'm going to do it in the travel groups. Uh, Northwest Polytech hit the road heading south on the Queen E this weekend to take on the Red Deer Polytech Kings on Friday and the Olds Broncos on Saturday. Friday night saw RDP come out flying, taking a 21-13 lead after the first quarter. The bus legs found solid ground in the second as the Northwest Polytech was able to cut the lead to one basket, 35-33 at half for RDP Kings. The Kings blew the game open in the third quarter with a whopping 38 points, shooting 16-22 that quarter for 76%, 3 of 6 from 3. Eduardo Crespo had 11 of those. RDP Kings uh, coasted on the back of that hot third quarter to win 84-62. The Kings moved to 4-1. The Wolves dropped to 2-3 on the year. A tough shooting night for both teams from deep. On Saturday, the Wolves took on the Olds Broncos. Uh, Friday night, they were in the defensive battle. Saturday night, 
defense was nowhere to be found. The visiting Wolves took an 87-75 lead into the fourth quarter. The host Broncos would then battle back in the fourth, but the Wolves were able to hold on to a 116-109. That is an NBA score uh, for the win. Uh, the win moved the Wolves to 3-3 three and three and the Broncos to 0-4. Emmanuel Olka goes for 38 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals for the Wolves. And Logan Bennett had 18 points. Five of those were threes and six assists in losing cause. Manny? Yes. Just joined the 1,000 points club from this weekend. Okay. Well, there we go. And Manny in the 1,000 point club gets player of the week for me. 100%. That made that easy. You know what I love about you, Tori? You were up on your social. You saw that on social media, didn't you? Absolutely. Yes. You got to follow all the revenues to try to get you up to date with everything in the league. Avenues. Revenues Avenue, is money. Sorry. Oopsies, if yeah, there's yeah. some revenues to get us money for all the work There's we're doing. There's a reason why I... Uh... Our, hey, listen. You're from another country. It means different things in different countries. It's one down. Ne- there's a reason why I never got that CCAA or, or Academic Canadian, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> CCAA Academic All Canadian. <laughs> you were capable. That's the I rest my case. <laughs> the words confuse you. Uh Matchup three. So Nate was Northwest Polytech's travel partner. Um, they had a sell to take on RDC Kings on. No, I skipped over one. We'll just keep going. Nate uh, is their travel partner. They went to, on Saturday night, to the Gary Harris Center. The game was all RDC Kings as it exploded to a 32-18 lead after the first quarter. They never looked back as they cruised to a 98-71 win over the visiting Ooks. Griffin Lorenz. Once again, led the Ooks in scoring as he had 21 points, nine rebounds, five assists in the loss. That dropped into three and two on the season. Eduardo Crespo's, Crespo, sorry, 24 points, 12 rebounds, four assists. And Tyreek Waters had 18 points, five rebounds, five assists off the bench for RDP, moving them to five on one on the season and a share of the ACAC North. The next Nate game was on Sunday. Not sure why this happened. I'm assuming a gym availability. <clears throat> Nate. Uh, was the only Sunday affair as they took on the Olds Broncos. Olds had a very strong fourth and sorry first and third quarters, winning them by seven and eight respectively. They were able to fend off the Ooks down the stretch for a much needed home win, eighty nine to eighty. So more defense played in that game. Griffin Lorenz stuffed the stat sheet with nineteen points and four rebounds. The loss dropped them to three and three, and it puts them in Northwest Polytech in a tie for the ACAC fourth seed in the North. Peter Adroni had 19 points, 11 rebounds in the Broncos' win, giving them their first win of the season, putting them to 4-1. and one. How's my tempo? Going great. Just realized I missed a game on the women's side. It's all good. Missed uh, that Sunday game. We're working so hard. If anyone complains about it, give us a pay raise. Take us from 0 to $1. I'll, Actually, t- you know I'll take you know 25 cents, if, man. if anyone sponsors this podcast, we will just turn it into a scholarship for the ACAC. How's that sound? Deal? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Unless it's like a gross amount of money, then I'll take a little bit. Um, <laughs> the Medicine Hat Rattlers trekked up Highway 17 to play the Lakeland Rustlers and Keanu Huskies, uh, the longest road trip of the year for the Rattlers. Uh, they headed into this week- weekend without their star player, Cooper Ward. He will tell you he's a star player. On Friday, Medicine Hat Rattlers played very good basketball for three quarters, taking a 66-59 lead over Keanu. The host Huskies channeled yet another late comeback. They've been known for this. It, it's actually crazy how much Keanu's came back this year already. Uh, as they dominated the fourth quarter, outscoring the Rattlers 33-16 to to take a 92-82 win. Uh, Jordan Bigger had 16.7 rebounds in the loss for the Rattlers. 
that dropped them to one and five on the season. Uh, Omichi Williams and DJ Haynes had 27 points apiece for the Huskies win, moving them to four and one on the season. The second night of the road trip for the Rattlers, uh, they made the scenic trip from Fort McMurray to Lloyd Minster to face the Lakeland Rustlers. Unfortunately for the Rattlers, it was a similar story as they took a 73-64 lead on the Rustlers into the final frame. It was the Rustlers' pressure defense that caused problems for the Rattlers and allowed Lakeland to outscore Medicine Hat 31-20 for the 95-93 win. Med Hat did get a wide-open look to force OT out of a timeout late. There's probably about four seconds left when they ran that. Uh, for a layup, it rimmed out. Ethan Robinson had a huge night scoring, 33 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 steals in the loss. That loss drops the Rattlers, of course, to 1-6 and six on the year. For Lakeland, Abdul had 25 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, leading the comeback and pushing the Rustlers to 4-2 and two on the season. Big win for the guys. Uh, both, actually, both games, late comebacks uh, here for the Rustlers and the Huskies. Um, the Clippers, who are the travel partner with the Medicine Hat Rattlers, uh, started their road trip in Lakeland versus the Rustlers. It was the Clippers who had slight control of most of the game, leading 74-67, uh, heading into the fourth. Once again, the Rustlers' defense caused problems for the Clippers late as they were able to come back for the slimmest of wins, 91-88. Um, once again, I noted in here, it's a real toss-up between Lakeland and Keanu for all these late comebacks in the fourth. Jude Shepard-Hillis had 19 points, 17 rebounds, and 5 assists for the loss. Uh, Jordan had 10 points, 11 rebounds. Chance had a double-double with 19 points, 11 rebounds, also in the Rustlers' win. Um, so once again, the Rustlers are 4-2 uh, on the season. The Clippers then, on Saturday, went north to face Fort McMurray. To play in Holy Trinity, as Tori already noted, um, as Kiana was hosting a gala in their gym. They, they got to get that straightened out. So gala happens, give them a bye. They have a bye next weekend. We got to get that straightened up so they get to play their games in that gym. Great gym, great atmosphere. You know, one of the fun places to play in. Um, you're not going to believe this, Tori, but Briarcrest had the slightest lead. Two points heading into the fourth. And it was a very much back and forth affair. <laughs> But once again, no lead is safe with Keanu Huskies as they pulled out a 91-89 win. Uh, Keanu got up 86-81 with about two minutes left. BC wouldn't go away. Briarcrest, that is. BC in my notes. It's also BC in my scouts. Um, 89-91, yeah. 91 for Huskies, 89. Why'd you say it backwards? Oh, no, it was back and forth. Keanu was throwing up uh, all types of zone defense at the end. Briarcrest was hitting some shots. Briarcrest was playing mans. They got some bump fouls. It was, you know, back and forth. And then the scoring kind of stalled in the last, like, 50 seconds. But uh, Jude Shepard, Hillis, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists uh, for the second close loss for the Clippers. That, that dropped them to 4-2. and two. Good for fourth in the ACAC South. And the Huskies, Evan Meyer, led them with 20 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, moving them to 5-1 and one in the ACAC North. For some reason, my notes did not save my Concordia Thunder and Kings Eagles travel to Calgary as they face St. Mary's and Sate. So we're going to do it old school style, off the box score. Sate took care of uh, Kings on Friday night, 105-70. to 70. My guess, that Sate team is very strong. They were up a healthy margin at half, 49-29. to 29. Uh, So they were in cruise control all night. Marcus Masters for Sate had... Uh, Five threes and 19 points. 
uh, Cool Cool had 19 points as well. Uh, as noted, they were kind of in cruise control in that game. Uh, win for State, uh, TKU, a little outclass. That was at Jack Simpson at UFC. And St. Mary's and Concordia, I had this one scheduled. Uh, I was really interested in this game. St. Mary's um, really blew this open in the second and third quarters, uh, scoring 28 and 33 points in those quarters uh, to win 102-81. Um, once again, the usual suspects, Jip uh, and Dewsbury, 27 points apiece, and uh, a couple double-doubles uh, to note. Concordia was led by... Alex McLean, uh, he had 23 points. Shout out to Alex who listens to the pod. Yeah, five rebounds. Actually, you know what? Uh, we had a bunch of guys this weekend say they listen to the pod, so we really appreciate that. And uh, it's nice when you get a chance to talk to opposing teams' players, especially men's players, just in the hallway before the game or stuff. So, you know, we're really pumped that everyone listens to the podcast. I apologize that you guys uh, were the last ones on the list. Um St. Mary's played Kings on Saturday. That was um, a walloping, uh, 100 to 54. Um, walloping, I like that word. That's, that's an Australian word, right? Good old-fashioned shit-kicking. <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, we can say that, I guess. Um, Josh Frazier had 11 points for Kings off the bench, so good job by him in that uh, bench getting oh, some rips. So bad. Uh, Dewsbury had 24 points. Uh, Jip had 22. Um, yeah, the scoring was quite spread um, as St. Mary's walked on that one. Uh, and Concordia State, State once again took care of Concordia 96-72. to 72. Uh, It was a big first quarter by State uh, that put them up 11, and then again in the third um to take that victory for Concordia. We had Dolly Wall had 15 points. McLean had 13 points, eight rebounds. Oh, you said a name right. Good job. Listen, bro, I'm getting so much better. It's it's unreal. Um, Marcus Masters had 20 points, and Cool Cool had 20 points as well for Sate. So when we look at the standings here on the men's side, uh, things are starting to shake out a little. We're starting to get these crossovers in the north, Keanu 5-1 and one, is well ahead of the pack. Uh, Concordia 4-4 four four, running the gauntlet right now of tough games. Lakeland boys with two huge late wins uh, are 4-2, and two, also tied with Concordia for second place. And we got Nate at 3-3, three and three, Northwest Polytech 3-3, three and three, Augustana 1-3, and three, and Kings are still searching for their first one at 0-6. Oh in the south, whew, dogfight. Uh, St. Mary's 5-1, and one, Red Deer 5-1, and one, State 4-1. and one. I got to think that those three teams will all be nationally ranked or one of them is going to get an honorable mention. This is going to drop on Wednesday. The national rankings were, will be out by then. I asked them to share the national rankings with me. They said, nay, nay, you are not important <laughs> enough. So nay, nay. we will see them on social media like everyone else. Uh, Briarcrest 4-2, and two, Lethbridge 3-2, and two, Olds 1-4, and four, Med Hat 1-6, and six, and Ambrose 1-5. and five. <clears throat> That's as fast as I can speak. Good job, Chris. On the on the women's side, I'll just update you on the standings here. In the north, we have Lakeland number one with six and zero. Oh. Uh, TKU four and two. Concordia Thunder three and five. Nate three and two. Keanu three and three. Augustana one and three. And then at the bottom of that is Northwest Polytech one and four. In the south, we have two undefeated teams left in the south. So Red Deer uh, number one six and zero. Oh. Briarcrest are number two as they have played one more game extra than Lethbridge. They have five and one. Lethbridge Kodiaks are good for third with five and oh. Fourth is STMU, so St. Mary's Lightning, three and three. Ambrose Lions next, two and four. 
Olds Broncos one and four, and then to round the south out at the bottom is the Saint Trojan zero and five, and the Medicine Hat Rattlers zero and seven. Now that we are out of breath, yeah, let's jump right in. We got Brooklyn Martins on the pod. Brooklyn came up, played us, played Keanu this weekend. Had the long road trip, uh, huge drive back. Played very well against us. Uh, just really solid player, fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Let's get her on and talk about the Broadcrest Clippers again. We are back with Hold My Clipboard. Our guest this week is Briarcrest star, Brooklyn Martins. Brooklyn's in her fourth year at Briarcrest, the pride of Cairnport, Saskatchewan, if you will. Um, Brooklyn, nice of you to jump on with us today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so for those that don't know, Brooklyn just made the wonderful trip. All the way up. I'm assuming you guys came through Oyen. Did you guys come through Oyen on the way up? Or were you sleeping? Uh, I don't know if Oyen is on the way. (laughs) I have no idea. Uh, They came up. They played uh, us, Lakeland, on Friday night. And then you guys drove to Lac La Biche that night. Stayed in wonderful Lac La Biche. And drove to Fort Mac. Played Keanu in a high school. And then... Did you guys straight shot it the whole way home, or did you have stops? Took about 11 hours with stops, so we stopped in Lloyd. <laughs> uh, so what time did you get to Lloyd at on Sunday? Uh, around like one thirty. Okay, and you guys got home roughly 7? 7, 8 o'clock, yeah. Okay, so this... This is the downside. This is the longest trip. Um, Grand Prairie comes to you guys, so they'll make the long trip. This is the the hell week in terms of the long travel, so you guys got through it. But um, we're excited to have you on and ask you a bunch of questions um, about kind of, you know, the, the rise of uh, the Browercrest Clippers women's program. It's, it's been on the uproar. And uh, a big piece of that is, is you, uh, the mainstay of the program. So talk to us a little about, the outlook for this year's team uh, internally, you guys had a great year last year, uh, finishing with a bronze medal. I believe one of the first medals on the women's side. Is that correct? Or the first medal? The first medal ever for the breakfast women's Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, the first medal ever. So talk to us about internally uh, your guys' focus for this year. Obviously, when you get that first medal, you're probably looking to get a nicer color medal. So talk to us about that. Um, obviously, we want to keep the momentum going. So we had a big momentum streak, especially starting in second semester. Yep. You know, things up. And then with having high retention, which is something our program struggled with in the past, we've had a lot of high turnover with athletes. And so having high retention, it's nice to have kind of the same foundation to go off of. And so we're just hoping to keep the momentum going and to build off of what we started last year. And then obviously just continue to uh, build the program. Like having Coach Anthony here for the past four years, it's helped us just to kind of have a foundation of like culture-wise what we're looking for. And when you have a set culture, I find it's a lot easier to bring bring the girls alongside and to fight for the common goal. And so our culture has been really, really good. And so that makes it easier to um, come together as a team and work towards the goal. Obviously, we'd like to get obviously to the ACAC finals and then potentially up. Oh yeah. At Lloyd Minster. Yeah. In Lloyd Minster. That's a promo for Lloyd Minster. We are hosting nationals (laughs) this year. Um, And that is a goal and ACAC gets two bursts. So it'll be ourself and 
either the winner or if we ended up in and won it, it would be the second place team. Uh, go ahead, Tori. Yeah, so still, um, I guess, on <clears throat> on that, you guys winning your first ever medal, you won uh, ACAC bronze last season. Talk about how fulfilling that was for you guys, especially for someone like yourself who's from Karenport, um, and to, to be able to be a part of the first ever medal for Briarcrest Clippers women's basketball. Oh, it was fantastic, especially coming to a program that's had like a lot of ups and downs and a lot of turnover and whatnot. It was fun to finally see some success. And after putting in so much time and effort and like a lot of, um, yeah, like a lot of girls have had to grind and put in, you know, a lot of hours in the gym to see that, um, to see success come out of that it was super exciting. And then it was a team that we all loved each other and the team dynamic was fantastic. And so when you have a good group of girls, it makes the win way more exciting and fulfilling, right? Because it's fun to celebrate together. Yeah, for sure. And to be able to return majority of that group into this season, obviously that's got to be super exciting for you guys. And we, I think we mention it at least once each podcast is you can never compete with the experience that a team brings back, especially if they return a majority of their starting core. Yeah, for you guys, it's yeah majority, if not all, of your starting five, I would say. Most of them? Yeah, well, possibly kind of six. Yeah, almost, yeah. You know, but in a way, yeah. So, like Chris said, you got an ACAC bronze. That's just – that's the base now. You want to go for a silver or obviously most likely a gold. Um, what was it like returning for this in this year, knowing that you came back with a bronze last season and then returning a bunch of girls? I think after winning last season, it gave a lot of girls more incentive to train over the summer. And so, like, I know I was listening to your podcast earlier and Anthony talked about how we had a lot more girls stay on campus yeah. this summer. I think then we had time to train in the gym and we have a nice uh, workout facility here too. And so I think it just creates more of like a fire. You know, it's it's easy to train hard coming off of a win like that because you get a taste of what winning is like and you know kind of what you're working hard for. Yeah, no, definitely. And to keep people around in Karenport, you wouldn't say it's easy, hey? <laughs> no. Did, did they all stay in Karenport or did some stay in Moose Jaw? Uh, the girls that stayed in Karenport stayed on campus right. in Karenport. Gotcha. Okay. Um, now, your family has a long lineage with Briarcrest. So do you want to explain for our listeners? Uh, I actually think that <laughs> when you were in high school, I was going to try to recruit you, and then I got told by multiple people, um, there's no point. So tell, talk about the history of your family in Briarcrest basketball. Um, okay, well, not necessarily basketball, but my grandpa Sports, went here. Yeah. yeah, met my grandma, and so I don't even know how far back that was. A few years. A way <laughs> yeah. And then my dad and my mom are both alumni here, and my dad played on the team, and he's coached here. I know when he played, he was an all-Canadian. You know, he loves telling me all those stories <laughs> of his book. So, um, yeah, so it's been three generations now. So, yeah, I was dead set on coming here since the age of, like, eight years old. I'm like, I knew I wanted to go play for Briarcrest, follow my parents' footsteps. And, you know, it's turned out that way. That makes recruiting very easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's a pretty awesome story, especially. Um, now, you played high school for your dad, correct? Is 
Is that how that uh, worked for a little bit? Yeah. For grade 10 and 11. And then we moved out to Karenport my grade 12 year. Right. And then he didn't. And then he didn't coach. And now he's helping uh, Anthony this year. So yeah. being Tori and I, both coaches' kids, I got a pretty good idea how that shapes up. But talk to us about um, having your co- your dad jump on the coaching staff this year. What's that been like? Because now you're older, right? It's not like you're young anymore. But how's that been? Um, it's actually been really nice this kind of full circle because my first year of college, our coach got fired after the first semester, right? Yep. We and remember. so it was in great circumstances. And so there is, this is just feeling kind of like a redemption year where it's at a good place having him as my coach. And I don't feel right. like I have, to, you know, you feel like you have to prove yourself more as a coach's kid. We would agree. So that you're making sure that, you know, the minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think this year I feel more confident that I've established myself as a player. And so I don't have those insecurities anymore having my dad come on. Yeah, I would say from playing against you, I guess we played you guys three times now, which is crazy um, with the way the schedule is. But you guys came up here in exhibition. We played you guys in league. You probably shouldn't have any insecurities in your game. Um, super well-rounded game. You do things on both sides of the floor. And and we we say it in our scout. We say it on the podcast, right? You're kind of like the engine that drives Briarcrest. Uh, you do so many little things. Um, those girls that have all returned um, in our scouting report, playing you guys third year, fifth year, fourth year, third, like it is very, very much upperclassmen. Did you guys make a pact or what is it? Because some of you guys are probably done your degrees or are doing a second degree. Um, how did that all stay? Obviously for the chance to win, but that doesn't always happen. Like it didn't happen to us early. So talk about how that kind of shook out for you guys. I think one element is Briarcrest has more accredited programs now. Okay. So whereas in the past two year degrees, and now they have a lot more four-year degrees accredited, so they're easily transferable and acknowledged. And so I think that people stay around. And then these past couple of years, we've just had such a solid group of girls. And, like, there hasn't been drama. We all love each other, you know, on and off the court. We enjoy spending time together. And when you have, yeah, a culture like that, it's really easy to come back. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand, obviously. I can speak on that being a former player, but... A lot of people skip those steps within the culture and don't understand how important how important good culture is off the floor, contributes to your success on the floor. And when you guys play, like we can tell when you play that you guys love one another and you play for one another, not for let's say, okay, I've got to do right by coach. You guys want to do right, yes, for your coach, but for one another as well, which is super rare, I would say, to find that in a team and – yeah, we know that you guys are going to be one of the main threats this year and are going to make a huge push, especially for that one spot in the South to host. And if Caringport are able to host, uh, it'll be wild. Um, but you're averaging 15.7 points and almost 10 rebounds, 9.5 rebounds on the season so far. Um, talk about your form at the moment. Uh, what What do you feel like your success is at the moment when you're playing like how am I finding success yeah like how are you finding your form right now okay uh I'm really happy with how I'm playing 
currently and I find like I <laughs> since I was a first year it's been a mental game for me because I always struggled with not wanting to be a selfish player and seeming like a ball hog and so like my first couple years it was always a pass first mentality and so these last year and this year especially I've taken on more of just like looking to score is helping my teammates and so I think switching a mentality like that it's obviously created a lot more success in my game and it's you know seeing it as it is a help for my team and not a detriment yeah and on that in our scout not to give it away but we said that you are a great passer and you definitely find you are a really good passer with I guess your partner post um do you contribute that to having a father that was able to coach uh, uh, no basketball? Because I know for me, my dad coached and it was always like, okay, a pass is quicker than dribbling. Like you got to look for your teammates first kind of a thing. Is that something that you've inst- like you've had from a young age? I've had it from a young age, but it wasn't from my dad. It was always <laughs> just I didn't selfish. My dad's like, you need to shoot the ball. <laughs> or he was like, you're hurting your team when you're not shooting instead of vice versa. Yeah, that That's my mom. <laughs> yeah. Tori's got an interesting parent dynamic. It's uh, one of them was a scorer. One of them, it was a passer. Yeah. And so they, they probably gave her mixed messages the whole time growing up. But <clears throat> I think as a coach's kid, you, most players see the game a little bit more just because you've been around it and you hear it all the time. Um, so talk about this season. Um, South is hosting. Um, the way that it's shaking out right now, there's a lot of good teams in the ACAC, but um, you guys, Leftbridge and Red Deer, are probably the top three that everyone's looking at. Uh, I believe you guys have Red Deer in a couple of weeks or after Christmas, maybe? After Christmas. Okay, yeah. Um, so what, is, what do you guys need to do to get that one seed? You guys just came to the north. Um, talk about what you guys need to do to get that one seed, obviously those top teams, and maybe any other teams that you guys have seen this year that you're keeping an eye on whether it's in the north or maybe up and comers in the south um i think mostly we're just trying to take it game by game and knowing that it's you know like things change constantly and there's never a game that you can take lightly like i've heard on this podcast over and over <laughs> repeating it i like it the theme yeah and so i think it's just our mentality of game by game you know focusing on what we can control focusing on ourselves and like, yeah, working hard so we can more unlock our potential than focusing on the opponents. Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of skill, a lot of good players, a lot of depth, and just making sure that we're, yeah, release or reaching the potential that we have on this team. And then obviously, yeah, Lethbridge and Red Deer are teams that we're definitely looking out, especially Red Deer last year. Right. You know, they're the ace champs and. And they've got a lot of returning players as well. And same with Lethbridge, they got a lot of depth. And then you guys as well have depth and a lot of returning players and athleticism. So I think those are the three that we've kind of keyed on as a program to look out for and to yeah, work towards. Yeah, and Red Deer's, you know, playing really strong now that the season started there getting healthy and and Lethbridge and it adding Helton. Uh, Hannah Sloan. She's Sloan. played for St. Mary's. Sloan. I say Hilton every single podcast. I'll get it right by the end of the year. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, Tori. You guys have a – so you don't play league for a while. You have um, an exhibition, I guess, or a scrimmage with Williston State and then Dickinson State. 
Those are paid games, Tori. Those, the, that's them making money is what that 10th is. On the 10th and the 11th. So, I mean, those games are always good. Get a little bit of a um, little bit of a switch up of teams that you don't need to worry about within your league. Um, it'll be good to obviously keep playing. But you guys have a tough second semester. Um, you have a double St. Mary's, a double uh, Red Deer. That would be done. Yeah. Uh, so talk about... The tough turnaround second semester, like first semester obviously just came back from a tough road trip, but um, what are you looking forward to second semester, especially trying to build momentum into playoffs? Mm -hmm. Um, I find second semester is always exciting so you kind of have your feet underneath you and then you're coming off of a little bit of a break at Christmas and so the break and the rest is much needed, especially when during our bye weekends we have games scheduled as well, so it's... (laughs) off and then coming into it it's just kind of hitting the ground running because I always find preseason is a little more tiring it's the it's worst. Just, <laughs> yeah. and so it's nice coming in second semester we don't have preseason you're right into games nice yeah um I guess I don't really want to go into this but I'm going to uh you guys travel a lot and it would be extremely hard on your bodies um, and not to say that you. I'm sure you guys are like, look, it is what it is. We're going to do what we have to do to be successful. But it's going to take a toll. It would take a toll. Like you said, you just travelled 11 hours back from Fort McMurray uh, to get back to Carinport. What's it like being all the way in Carinport, Saskatchewan, playing in the Alberta League and being just basically like this far away town and having to travel everywhere. What's it like being on the travel end instead of, because it's great when you get to host, but what's the travel like for you guys? Um, Especially now playing against Northern teams, it's a lot more daunting than it was when we just played the South, having like the long 11-hour road trips, especially split weekends where we're playing Lakeland and then all the way out to uh, Fort Mac, but honestly, I feel like we get kind of used to it living in Saskatchewan. You have to drive long hours to get anywhere anyways. And on the bus, it's nice because you get to kind of like chat and get to know teammates and there's nothing else to do and homework. You can only do it for so long. So there's a lot of conversations and connecting that happens on the bus, which I don't think would happen in the same way if we didn't have these long bus hours. So it's kind of cool that way to create connections between the guys and girls team as well. Good answer. Yeah, it was a really well put answer. I, I do think the travel helps. Uh, you know, you guys, Medhat, us, Keanu, Grand Prairie, Leftbridge, anytime you're just, you have to go for every game, it just it gives you a little more chance to bond. Um, I'm going to let Tori start hitting you up here, Brooke, with uh, her list of questions that she <laughs> likes to ask all the guests that you've heard before. So, I'll let her start rapid firing at you. Are you going to ask the five? Or do you want me to hit? You hit whatever you want. All right. First, my first question is, what's your favorite road trip? Where do you love going to play? I'm biased, but I love going to play Lethbridge. I think their facility is really nice, and I have a lot of extended family there. Nice. And so you have road fans. That's always nice, right? True. <laughs> like you guys know <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about that at the end of the podcast. That was that was uh, we'll discuss. <laughs> um, and then on that, the opposite. Where do you dislike going? We only played them once, but Augustana last year. That's a tough gym. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we talk about like, that all the time. Yeah, being on the opposite end, I'm like, oh, I don't think I like this as much as when they're cheering for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, there's nothing better than winning in the Augustana gym because it's just so small and it is so loud. Um, when they cheer on every basket, it's like, oh gosh, like they are the only ones cheering and it's still deafening. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's not the best. It's a good playoff atmosphere. Gets ready for playoffs. Those those are tough, gritty wins. Yeah. Um, and then you've, as you've been in the league for quite a while, <coughs> you've only. This is only the second year of seeing the North and South and playing the North and South. But because you've been in the league a while, give us your top five players that you've either played with or against in the ACAC. Okay. Oh man. All right. This is a tough um, one. I asked Chris this about oh about his top five, and he could only name three, and then a bunch that were like just or maybe this, well, maybe that. Okay, like, but she was <laughs> asking me. No, that's not true. She was asking me players that I coached. If she would have asked me players I played against, I could have named that off real fast. Yeah, so we'll you. save that for the future. The but same. go ahead. Oh man, top five. Okay, that I've ever. Like, ever in the ACAC? Yeah, ever, ever. There was one girl my first year, I don't know if you remember, Anjanae Williams. Yep. Yeah, she was by far, <laughs> yeah, like, Dominic. just scoring-wise, like, one could stop her. And so, definitely up there with top five. Um, oh, man. Oh, Tebow from yeah. Olds. Yeah, Brittany. Um, yeah, Brittany Tebow. I don't know if it's because it was, I was a little first year, but I was like, she was a... <laughs> Strong player. Yeah, yeah and Brittany. went to, like, she's playing pro now, so. Okay, I didn't know that. That's all. Okay, and we then, got two. That's two. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head right now. Obviously, it's there's a, a lot of, there's a lot of good players currently, but I feel like on each team, I could name a couple that I'm like that are strong enough to make who um be. anyone this year that That's that you oh sorry, sorry no sorry I was good no good you read my mind I was gonna say anyone this year that you think is uh gonna be a tough matchup individually um obviously Katana or Katana Sparks yeah like she's strong and athletic and she can finish well like I think she's in the top five for field goal percentage too so yep. that'll be a and then watching Rachel Harvey play again this year, I'm like she's got good footwork, really nice um, counter moves and finishes as well. So that's going to be a tough match. And then obviously with your team, like as we played last weekend, you guys have some tough athletic matches as well with Susan and Alana Olson. You don't have to say them. <clears throat> we, don't no. have to, we don't have to give them compliments. But that is they like uh, Katana yeah. Sparks and uh, yeah. Katana Sparks and Rachel Harvey are in all conference form right now. They are putting on putting up very good numbers and have started the season strong. Um, but so have you. You can include yourself yeah. if you would like. We'll include you. We'll put you in there. <laughs> okay, we got we got no. I gotta ask. Um, that was a good question. Even though I was about to ask the question, it was a good question. Who's your arch rival? The team that you guys get up for the most or hate the most? It's got to be a self team, obviously. Yeah. Oh, man. My first couple of years, it was Ambrose. I don't know if it's just the Christian school rival. <laughs> Ask a more camaraderie. And so I would 
maybe say St. Mary's because we've just had close, intense games with them, so there's a little more heated rivalry. But I don't think there's any teams that we've had like the long withstanding rivalry with. It used to be Ambrose, but I'm not feeling that so much anymore. Right. That that and, would have felt good last year, beating St. Mary's for the bronze, hey? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. <laughs> um, that's fair enough. I think if I watch the game this year when you guys are playing Ambrose and I see like a scrap breakout, then I'm going to say that rivalry's back on. That's, that's what I'm <laughs> going to say. Brooke, this past weekend, you guys came to Lloyd Minster, Lakeland, and you guys have a local, about 45 kilometers away, Dory Sutherland. Sunderland. Duh. Duh. Listen, I played hockey. I correct hockey. him all the time with his names. He's not great. He's going to get better. Dory Sunderland. So I'm old. I can't say words properly. Um, I played hockey against a bunch of her related family. You guys brought nearly as many people as we had in our gym. So I just want you to know, I took that super personally. <laughs> Um, in that game. Um, one of the things I appreciate about your guys' program is your guys do a good job of either alumni or past players or family members uh, traveling well. So to have a game at Lakeland, um, and obviously you guys played us in preseason, I believe one of those games there might have been seven people in our building. Um, so to have half the crowd, what was it like to have half the crowd cheering for you guys um, in our house in a home game? Oh, it's really exciting, right? Like, I feel like, you know, when you score and you have a bunch of, like, high school students banging pots and pans, it gets you amped up. And... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was an awesome atmosphere. Um... We had, so we ran a fall league on Sunday nights and Dory's cousin Liam plays in the fall league and the youth group had a meeting, the kids that were at the game had a meeting and because two of the boys, Liam and Jacob, um... Adams, I think he's also related yep. to Dory, but they were like, no, instead of doing the meeting, we'll just come to the game and uh, watch Liam and Jacob. And it was so funny that you got to see those kids at the game and then come to our little gym making the same amount of noise for these two boys. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I do I do want you to know that I, I did tell Liam and his family, Liam plays club, I've coached him now for two or three years. He's banned from our gym wearing blue or any of that stuff. And he's got like a, he's got a Briarcrest basketball. I talked to Shane about this, like an MVP from camp. So the Briarcrest merch is making its way up here. I, I told him I'm going to have to get rid of it somehow or another. But uh, yeah, it, it is awesome that you guys travel. Is there any other places that you guys have drawn fans from the local community when you're on the road? Uh, Lethbridge, because we have a girl from Coaldale. Right. And so her family comes, Med Hat, we have some grandparents and some more extended family um calgary we have a lot of alumni and former players so honestly like a lot of places in the south we have at least like 15 people come out oh great and the south are hosting so briarcrest they're gonna have even more fans <laughs> I, I i i knowing anthony and knowing you guys in playoffs in the final fours if you guys are in it i'm sure there'll be some type of school bus arrangements for fans would be my bet yeah it's already in the works yeah yeah you <laughs> bet uh tori what else you got for here before we wrap no i should just say that yeah keep up the good work you've started off the season extremely strong you guys have a very solid squad a squad that's gonna gain a lot of respect and attention 
over this season and one of the top teams, not just in obviously the South, but in the ACAC and going to get um, a lot of CCAA, not just conference attention. So, um, and you personally keep up the great work with the work that you're putting in and what you're giving your team. Um, You are a joy to watch. Uh, It's awesome to see a pass first post and a very skilled post in the league such as yourself. Um, So yeah, stay healthy and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Uh, thanks for coming on. I echo Tori's comments minus the joy to watch you uh, when I'm coaching against you. Not so joyful. You but. gotta, you gotta <laughs> give credit where credits due. I to know, athlete. I know. No, uh, you guys stay safe and have a good run here, and uh, we will touch base soon. Thanks for coming on. Well, Tori, thoughts on Brooklyn uh, hopping on? First of all, nice looking apartment. Yes. Her hopping on right after the huge road trip, really nice. Uh, she told us beforehand she was nervous. She is a flat out liar. She did wonderful. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Skeppel. I reached out to him this morning and, uh, well, sorry. Yeah, we'll say this morning. Um, yes, shout, uh, reached out to Anthony Skeppel, the Briarcrest women's head coach this morning. Um, and he got back to me right away and gave brooklyn my number and she was able to get in contact with me as soon as that happened so shout out to skeppel for able to help get brooklyn on the pod as well um she did awesome she spoke incredibly well um couldn't tell she was nervous and yeah just a very very um great person i would say she wears a head on her shoulders very humble um and it was awesome to hear about how much the Briarcrest Clippers women's program has evolved especially one thing that she kept pointing out over and over was how much the girls all get along and they play basketball for one another and they have such a great culture and we all know that great cultures lead to success and I can only imagine the Briarcrest Clippers with that will continue their good form this season. I'm going to nag on that point i don't think we all know that tori um you look at what some of these nba rosters are doing they just throw guys together and they don't worry about culture i don't watch the nba as much bro just my celtics okay let's not get into this again um yes i agree little girl crush on martin's there for me i appreciate it uh she did awesome um <clears throat> Briarcrest is definitely going to be in the mix uh come playoff time one thing of note before we get into question time is my mistake all year when I was ranting about the playing games, there is actually not a 3-6 playing game this year. There's only a 4-5. Oh. So one of those teams in the South men's and South women's is not going to have a playoff game. So bigger advantage finishing first than I actually thought because the 4-5 game will happen and then the next night the winner of that will go to the one seed to play unless it's a egregious travel like a Grand Prairie coming to Lakeland or something like that. Yeah. Thoughts cool. on that, Tori? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see it definitely affect the men's side a lot more just because it is very, very – it is a dogfight, as you said. Um, I'm expecting that to not impact the women's side as much. I think the standings on the women's side is going to be pretty set in stone. Uh, But, yeah, I will definitely think that this is going to impact the men's side a lot more. Game's coming this week before we get to questions. Tori, we're going to be so good next week. So good. You want to know why? We're one of the only games. Us. There's two games. Us. Us. The Vikings. And then is it Olden State? Yeah, that's it. I didn't even look. Just remembered. So that's going to be awesome. Um, So we play Augustana and State plays in the bubble. I actually wasn't sure they were going to play any games in the bubble, but apparently they have some. So it'll be an easy one next week. Easy on our producer. 
Let's get to question time. Um, we had your biggest fan, my biggest frenemy, Jody Dugan. Oh, gosh. She's frenemy. She hates me most of the time. Oh, enough. Oh, stop it right there. Stop it. He's lying, everyone. <clears throat> She's great. Jody's great. Love her. Um, to ask a little bit of questions to each other. So if no one else listens to this, your mom and my mom will listen to this. And Naomi Theo's dad. And some of the boys from this. Listen, we're getting a hot following here. We're getting a hot following. Um, okay. First question to you, Tori. You want me to go all three first? Or you want to go back and forth still? No, back and forth because I don't know. You're stressing, hey? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't miss this. Yeah, you're stressed. Is this like an individual meeting when I yell at you and say, hey, office? Yeah, how do you, so how do you think you played this weekend? <laughs> do you think you're looking after the ball? Are you getting our team through the offense that needs to be run? At the right times. Yeah. Oh, God. Just hit me. Okay. Now that you're on the sidelines, Tori, mm-hmm. what, this is a two-part question. Oh, boy. Just give it, I'm simpleton. Okay. We'll keep it one at a time. What has been the most surprising thing jumping from playing with us and then going to the play pro and now being on the coaching side? What has surprised you the most? Oh, that's uh, that's a, actually an easy answer for me. Um, I didn't think that I wouldn't miss playing as much as I do. I do not miss playing. And um, I had such a great... Sorry, ex- Jody. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, ma'am. Um, I had such a great experience playing at Lakeland that now being done, I've realized that I gave it all I had and that it was the best years of my life and I could have easily been done playing basketball after I finished my fifth year. I think people don't understand how great you have it in college and the amount of support that you have um, within the program. Well, I can obviously only speak on what I went through. Um, but, yeah, you don't get that when you go play professional basketball, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I... I love giving back. I always said I wanted to give back to the program that gave me so much, but a little bit of me thought that I would find, especially if the team was successful, that I would feel a little bit of jealousy. Natural for some people. For those who don't know, I am a nutcase on the bench at times. I am stressed as heck and I can't think about losing. So the mentality that I had as a player is the same as a coach, except I have no control on the floor. Great answer. I'm going to have to ask the second question So I was trying to lead you somewhere. Great answer, Troy. Uh, the nutcase thing, uh, Kim mic'd me up on the Med Hat game, which was the best you've been on the bench, by the way. Thank you. Um, Thank you. The best you've been. Well, I didn't. She, some some you, points left me speechless. She usually is right in my ear. So I move my chair back a little so I can talk to Marissa and Tori at ear level. Usually right in my ear screaming at what's happening or fouls or that's stupid. And we had to have a little talk about calming down last week, which... You're, you were great this week because uh, it's a new thing. It's a new thing. Yes. yes. Um, that aside, what else has surprised you on the coaching front? Because that was a fantastic answer on the coaching side or something you've learned so far. It's been a few weeks. Oh, look at look at her. She can't learn anything from me, obviously. Like now that you're coaching. I don't really know where you're going with this Well, I'm not looking for a specific answer. I'm just actually, you know what? What if I learned? I just... Like, what have I learned as a coach? Yeah, or what, what has been surprising? Like, oh, I didn't think when I was coaching that I would deal with this or see this or... I would say um, playing, coaching with former... Coaching former players that I played against... I played with, sorry, not against. So, like, it's been... For those that listen would know this, but... Or is old. Yes, but I... 
I say it how it is. And a lot of the time um, I see a vision of the way things have to be and I just go straight to that. And coaching, you have no to great. be able to see between the black and the white area and you have to see the gray area. Me and Jody have been talking about this. Yes. Um, but I would say coaching some friends that I played with in the team has been difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say a surprise, but I wouldn't say anything has been a surprise by any means. Um, I feel like you've been a great mentor throughout my career and um, you can pull a face. That it's Just take it. You're terrible at taking compliments. This is facts. Um, I've had you as a mentor for so long as a as a player, but now to coach with you, I feel like it's been an easy transition to be able to coach with you and nothing has really surprised me. I would say that... Um, it's been great to see other females in the league push to be able to do the same thing who are former players and coming back to coach as well. But, um, yeah, I sometimes have trouble coaching teammates that I played with for sure. Um, that's a tough one at times. But, yeah, I wouldn't say any surprises. Okay, good. Those were two of my questions you answered. Okay. <clears throat> Just that's so. So remember, we're supposed to ask each other three questions. Yeah, I know. Okay. My one for you. The story first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one, I want to talk about what has been the biggest challenge coaching this year's team so far. My new assistant coach. I'm kidding. Look at how mad she is right now. And no one's laughing, <laughs> but... Okay, uh, the biggest challenge this year, um, I, I mentioned this before, I think a little bit of resetting the culture. I think getting several players back, uh, Jade, Haley, Allie, Ellie, off of multiple years off or injuries, I think that's a struggle because I've seen them at their optimal peak self and a player always sees themselves at their optimal peak self even if they're not there. So we're working with them, especially on the mental side of what they can do to help us win, which they're all doing a great job of that, I would say. Um, but <clears throat> just knowing that they're going through that recovering from injury or coming back from, in Ellie's case, hasn't played for three years. So that's been a bit of a struggle. And I would say I've had to enforce more bonding because of the difference in age with uh, a couple of our freshmen, let's just say our imports, who are 18 years old, and our older girls who have been here through an injury and through COVID that are now closer to 23, yeah, 24. 24. Um, you know, 24, yeah, yeah, they're just a little bit older. So just enforcing that and reminding them that they were 18 yeah. and how important it is for the 18-year-olds to not only see the vets in practice and around the school, but also outside where they're actual humans and they're not regurgitating coaches' wishes. I'd say that's been the most challenging so far. Cool. You got a second like one? It. Yep, and I want you to go a little bit deep into this here. Um, so kind of why you got into coaching, but who was your biggest influence to for you to become a coach? When you suck at sports, you coach. I'm kidding, Tori. Um, well, no one... I'm kidding. It's you. not funny. I don't have to get from a very young age, I was told by several different people that I was going to coach. Um, I think maybe the way that I saw the games, the sports that I played, hockey, I didn't play basketball till late, until um, grade nine-ish, I guess. Um, when I went to uh, U of A basketball camp with Scott Forster, that was kind of when it took off for me. I was lucky to grow up in a teaching family. 
And my dad coached everything. And my dad's best friend, Mike Curtis, who was like my biggest basketball mentor, like a second dad, he coached as well. Um, and so they're both coached in different ways. But they, the way that I thought the game and talked about the game, they always told me I was going to coach. And same thing in ball. When I got into college and played for Phil, he told me I was going to coach. When I got into university and played for Conley, he told me I was going to coach. So I I kind of knew I was going to coach. I didn't know how, but pe when people tell you that all the time, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was sport was such a huge piece of my life. Literally every day of my life was working on and getting better at baseball or hockey or basketball. And I couldn't imagine that. And having people like my father, like Mike in my life, pushing me constantly and being that influence and seeing how they, especially as a little kid, because I was a bad boy for my dad all the time and I got to see my coach, seeing the difference that they made on people and how the bonds that they had with their athletes, I thought that was such a cool thing. And to have that effect on one person, and let's just even say like maybe it's you, <clears throat> to have that effect to help change someone's life and to help push them in a direction and, and then see them grow up and become an adult is a pretty fantastic thing so in a roundabout way I, I knew the whole time I was going to coach um, I love sport and it's passionate about it and you know that I have a very high work ethic and drive and I also have a very high FU factor so when people you don't say when people tell me I can't do something or I'm not good enough, it just kicks that extra. Fuel to the fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of how I got into it. Now let me flip this to you. Did you know you're going to get into coaching? When did you know? Uh, no. So you probably don't know this, but I f I wanted to be a teacher for the longest time. Oh no shit. Yeah, I was a horse girl and originally I was like, oh, I want to be a vet. But then that was obviously when you're young and you're asked at like eight <coughs> years old, what do you want to be? I wanted to be an astronaut, so yeah, it didn't work out for me either. But um, yeah, I wanted to be a teacher for the longest time, but uh, I did some work experience and I really didn't enjoy it. I hated working with like the different age groups. Um, it was from K to, se to grade seven. Um, right. So that didn't really work out, but then I was – blessed and lucky enough to see my dad coaching not just myself but state teams which would be provincial teams here so he coached the um, U16 and U18 West Australia country boys um, that I was able to see beforehand he coached professionally with the Wanneroo Wolves gave them their first ever championship, which was pretty cool. My mum and auntie both played in that team. Big Wolf family. Big Wolf family. And I guess growing up being a point guard and learning, I was so fortunate enough to have great coaches throughout my career growing up. Um, I had Trina Worthington as a coach. Um, Mark. Uh, shut up, shut up. Greg Worthington. Uh, so her husband as a coach, who Mark Worthington is their son, who played for the Australian Boomers. Um, yeah, a bunch of other people that I can easily lay out and see, but kind of a similar story. Um, they all believe that no matter where I would go, I'd be successful in. But after when I was done playing, they always said that I think I think and see the game exactly like my dad. Um, and kind of you, yes, I see a little bit more black and white, but. Um, I never took that seriously until I started to find my leadership role, probably within my third year of college. Um, 
But also the year I redshirted with my ACL, I saw things a lot differently being off the floor for a year and it was something... Did you see what I saw? Yes, oh. and it was really weird. You see stuff from a player's perspective while you're in the drills, while you're playing, um, but then being out for that year, I'm like, oh, man, like I see what Chris sees and I'm not sure why everyone's complaining, but then obviously going back to being Story a player, you see. Um, but, yeah, during that t- like after that time I thought, okay, I really have to start thinking about what I want to do and that's probably around the time in COVID where I really got involved with coaching camps at Lakeland, got involved with Golden Ticket, um, ran shout their out. camps, shout out to Golden Ticket. And then I thought, you know what, it's so fulfilling giving back, not just to the community, but like sharing my knowledge from what I've learned to these kids. And I knew that I, my niche was not the younger kids. It was more like the grade 10 <laughs> to grade 12s. And I would then, say you're doing way better with the younger kids though. Way better. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. If you said this to me a year ago. It wouldn't have happened. Um, But then after playing, I was just like, no, I want to coach. I want to give back to the sport that gave me so much, especially at Lakeland. But, yeah, I'd probably say more so during that COVID time where I really had the time to sit down and think about what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, I I would love, and I was too scared to ask you, but I was waiting for you to ask me to be an assistant coach. And that was terrifying. Well, I can tell you right now, Tori, as a as a guy that's coached now 15 years in the ACC, it is very evident, and this is probably what people saw in me, it is very evident when you have players that are going to be coaches. Um, I knew Marissa was going to coach in some capacity the first year she came to me. I knew you very quickly were going to be there, and I think me also being a point guard, there is something to do with the point guard, the way that you have to see the ball, and we talk about this a lot. And you want the control. <clears throat> yeah, control freaks. We're control freaks. But also, like, you know, you and I had several talks about, okay, when you're getting a ball screen, where are you looking at? Well, you should be looking at where the help's coming from, where your best shooter is, who you can attack. Um, and then we have that conversation with my wife, who's an all-Canadian scorer, <laughs> and she's like, I'm just looking at where I can get the ball to score, right? So it, it just you see it differently, right? Um, I knew you were going to coach the whole time, and I'm super honored that I get both you and Marissa, former players, to coach. And I gave this speech today in a lecture to our girls um, about how it does mean a little more when you coach in your own program. It means a ton to me, and it means a ton to me to have my former players coaching. I think it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to hit you with this one. This will be the last one I ask you here because yeah. it's just, this is just story time. Look at Kim's falling asleep over here. Yeah. Uh, the Lakers win or no? Yeah, good. No playoffs for them. Dream job for you, Tori. Oh. So you're dream. coaching right now under me. Honestly, you know, I'm going to keep you as long as I can, yeah. but I know, I know uh, you. You're going to spread your wings at some point and take off. So. Um, so I would love to take over when you're done. That's the pretty simple answer okay. but honestly Deal. my main goal uh i would love to be a head coach in europe i would love to coach in the euro league um i think outside of the nba obviously everyone's like the WNBA is the best league i personally think the euro league is the best league in the world it's unreal. It's unreal. um i the amount of money that is invested into women's sports obviously women's and men's sports but they are able to pay their female athletes a ton and the amount of support that they get within their leagues is crazy. The atmosphere is something like I would just kill to go to one of those games. It's on my bucket list. I want to go. I really want to get um, as I get the experience. Um, and I do think a lot of that, if I want to go do it, if I want to go get something, I'm going to go do it. And We know this. Yeah, that 
coaching in the EuroLeague would be a massive dream of mine. Um, it would just be awesome. Okay, there you go. Perfect. My last question for you. <laughs> Thought I was going to avoid this, actually. Go ahead. The, so mine was a little bit similar. Mm. Um, mm. But I will I will ask my backup question. Oh, you can ask whatever. So you, you run your own business and you mm. coach full-time within the Lakeland College Rustlers. Mm. Who is your biggest motivator to balance the both? What keeps you – who keeps you going? Who keeps me going? Yeah, so who motivates you to – Those three little shits you see every day? Those three little shits. Chris, your answers are terrible. I might have to cut. <laughs> There's no cutting. Uh, my biggest motivator to keep me going. Uh, I'm very self-motivated. Um, when I started the company with Tanner, uh, everyone told us we couldn't do it. And this has been a common theme uh, with everything. Uh, when I started coaching here, everyone told me I would never win at Lakeland. I could never win. Several people. Um, and now... We've been winning for the last 10 years, won a couple championships. Hopefully, you know, we get a shot at nationals at some point. Um, my biggest motivation is changing and helping people through basketball. I think the thing that I love, I, I have such a passion for coaching. I don't think I'm going to be able to give it up for a while. I love coaching so much. I love helping people. I love the relationship at college where you get to coach them every day. Um, but with our company as well, we're getting those relationships to change kids' lives. When we took them to Europe, when we take them on these trips, you see the <clears throat> just life-changing stuff. But my motivation, obviously, is my family and my little ones um, because what I'm doing right now, company and at Lakeland, I want someone to do that for my kids. I want mm -hmm. someone to give my kids that experience. I want someone to take time and invest it with my kids. And, and I have three, an eight-year-old daughter, Macy, six-year-old son, Nash, and a three-year-old daughter, Kay. I want someone to do that. Um, and you're around me and the kids all the time. You know I don't get that much time with them, but uh, I love goofing around with them. I love playing with them. I love seeing them now. Macy's starting to get into sport, especially hockey. That's what I want. Um, and where these two things lead, I don't know. There was a uh, part of me that said I was going to do 10 years of Lakeland. Part of me said I was going to do 20 years of Lakeland while I'm at 15. Um, it might end up being 50 years. It might end up being just 15. I don't know what the future holds. Um but I am open to growth. And the biggest thing for me is continuing to grow as a coach and as a person and as a business owner. And um, you grow from making mistakes. And that's what I'm trying to get better. That's the motivator. But my family and, you know, bringing on people like yourself into the company and at Lakeland is, uh, makes me really proud of what we're doing. I'm glad you got a little bit heartfelt. That's what I was looking for with getting into like your family and you know, your wife. You know, sarcasm is the first one. And and you also know I couldn't do none of this stuff without my wife. No, she is the same. Yeah, she's much better than me. She yes. doesn't know it. She yes. actually does know it now. She she does know it. All right, that's all we have for this week. We're going to get Tori to bed. Uh, I am Chris King. And I'm Tori Zugan. And we're brought to you by... Nara Studios and our executive producer, the one, the only, the myth, the legend, Kim Caparel. I'm excited to see how long this episode is, to see uh. how much is cut up. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. Bye.